Amen. Amen. Okay. Hopefully everybody got a copy of this little book, Praying Effectively for the Lost. If you already have a copy, but you're not sure where it is, go ahead and get another copy. We bought enough for everybody to have at least one, okay? Because you don't know where it is, it'll turn up again. Well, then you can put that copy in, in your bathroom or something, you know, you can brush up on, your, on how to pray for the lost while you're taking care of your morning business. Uh, you, 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 maybe you want one at your bedside, I don't know. You, but, but, but this is an excellent book on praying for the lost. Uh, he just, right out of the shoot, he talks about the fact that nobody comes to Christ but what somebody's praying for them. And uh, I mean, First Timothy chapter two, what more proof do you need uh, God is commanding us to pray for the lost because his will is that they be saved. And so we, we, we have to do this. Uh, there's seven sections and uh, you, could, you could take that and uh, you can make that part of uh, a week of prayer, praying for the lost that, that God's burdened you over. Um, this, we'll not go through this tonight. This is just for you to have as a reference and I think it'll, it'll help to inform your prayers. Uh, I'll give you one caveat, one just thing for you to consider as you read this book. The author makes the point that, that uh, we have to bind the devil. You know, the strong man has to be bound if you're gonna spoil his house. And the way that it's written, it, it makes it sound like it's your job to bind the devil. And I just, you know, it's kind of left there and, and, and I don't know how you would do it. You know, the angels are greater in power and might I, I'm pretty sure you're not gonna get a lasso around the devil, and, you know, physically, spiritually, uh, metaphorically. But we know someone that can, right? So the principle still stands. Um, we can pray in faith for, for the devil to be bound in the life of the unbeliever so that they won't be able to hear, uh, like his lies need to stop making sense to them, amen? Uh, we need the spirit poured out in conviction and so you know we, we need God to open the eyes of the of the lost and that's kind of tough whenever the devil is con causing confusion all the time and so I, I, I can't recommend this enough I can't encourage you enough uh, to spend some time with this little book uh, it's just he's just running his cross references he's got them organized and and it's a great little uh, resource. Okay, so if you've got a handout, we've been praying like the Apostle Paul. We're following the examples of the prayers of the Apostle Paul, and, and so this last emphasis is uh, for open doors, uh, praying for the lost. And here, we're not actually following the example of Paul's prayers. We're, we're actually following what Paul commands the church to pray in terms of praying for the lost, and so let's just work our way through these verses and we'll have a, we'll have a time in a season of prayer. Um, Ephesians 6, Colossians 2, these would be companion passages. Um, in Ephesians 6, it's praying always with all prayer. In Colossians 4, it's continue in prayer and watching the same with thanksgiving. Uh, in Ephesians 6, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. So that 
would be in the category of generic, right, in terms of praying for the people that God's placed in your life. We wanna pray for your, your brothers and sisters need your prayers for them. They need you, right? I need you to lift me up to the Lord. Um, the neat thing about Ephesians 6, um, it's, it's interesting, because we have a spiritual battle, because there's, a, there's spiritual warfare that's taking place, you remember the, the, the Bible instructs us to put on the whole armor of God. And what you find out as you study this out is you're actually, you're actually putting on the word of God. It's defensive. Uh, you need these defensive um, measures in your life because you're engaged in a very real, it's spiritual, but it's still a very real battle. And then the two items that go offensive is the word of God in your hand, right? And what comes out of your mouth, it's the sword of the Lord, right? The word of God. Uh, you wanna be armed with the word, but then also prayer, right? So we pray for one another, and then verse 19, Paul says, pray for me, that utterance may be given unto me. I want opportunities to proclaim the gospel. Pray for me that I'd have utterance. The next phrase is that I'd open my mouth boldly. Uh, again, this goes back to what we were talking about uh, in our Sunday morning series. You know, we live in a world where the idea of the gospel, the world mocks it. They, I mean, they delight in scorning it. And uh, it'll come up. You know, that's the dumbest thing ever. And, and what the world needs to see is some people that'll say, no, that's not, no, no, that's not true. The, the, it's, it's awesome. It's changed my life. They, the, the, the lost world needs to see the reality of the gospel in some people that are on fire for the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says, I want to open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Verse 20, it's my job, for which I'm an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. In Colossians 4, he calls it a door of utterance. Pray that God would open unto us a door of utterance. Why? To preach the gospel, to speak the mystery of Christ. What's his objective? Verse four, that I, might, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. And so the communication of the gospel can't be in a, you know, it, it can't be done in a poor way, it ought to have to be done in an appropriate way. And that doesn't mean that if you've got you know, poor speech that you can't do it. Um, you know, what Paul's praying for is that I'd have utterance that I can make it known. So we want God to open a door so that somebody will actually hear the gospel. I need to be able to communicate it boldly the way I ought to communicate it, right? I want to open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. And that's the key, is that it would be understandable, that the lost would hear it and understand it. Well, we need to pray for each other. Paul says, pray for me so that I can do that, so I can do what God's called me to do. Well, God's called all of us to be ambassadors for Christ, hasn't he? And so we all need the people that God's placed in our life praying for us for open doors, for boldness, so that we can say what needs to be said the way it needs to be said. Then the second category, okay, 2 Thessalonians 3, verses one and two, Paul again asks the church to pray, brethren, pray for us, that the word of the Lord may have free course. 
Uh, there's many, I mean, in the world, there are many roadblocks, there's many hindrances to the Word of God that people erect in their life or that rulers will erect over the life of the people. And what we want is for the Word of God, the gospel, to have free course and be glorified even as it is with you. We heard the gospel, it had free course with us. We heard it, we believed it, we received it, it changed our life. Well, we wanna, we wanna trust the Lord that the same thing would take place in our neighborhood, in our schools, with our coworkers, in the nations. Verse two, and this will parallel with what we'll see here in a minute in First Timothy chapter two. The second prayer request is that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for all men have not faith. Here, we don't actually see a lot of persecution, you know, because we're Christians, we don't see a lot of persecution by wicked and unreasonable men. Now, we all know wicked and unreasonable men, don't we? And uh, they will, I mean, you'll have an open door with somebody, you're actually sharing the gospel, and then your coworker jumps in and just, you're on this rabbit trail and that rabbit trail, and it's like this guy is a satanic implant. <laughs> That's typically what it shows up uh, to you and I, you know, in the, in the scenarios that we're looking at. And, and that's not to say that, that people haven't gotten the beat down uh, in contemporary days because they're preaching the gospel. That, that, that can, that has happened, that can happen. Uh, but typically what we're facing is somebody jumping in and spoiling. I mean, the fish are biting and, and somebody's in there just being used of the enemy to just completely derail the conversation. So that'd be one thing uh, that we want to pray for is the guy at it's just like lurking at the water cooler to just disrupt anything that's, that's productive in terms of the gospel. But what we'll see in 1 Timothy chapter two is we're praying for those that are in authority so that we can live a quiet and peaceable life. Uh, we, you know, not all men have faith. There are wicked and unreasonable men that would love to see the gospel shut down in America. I don't know if you're paying attention, but it's in the news. Uh, you've got You've got people in Washington that are saying one of the greatest threats and the way they'll characterize it, uh, they'll char characterize it as you know, people like us who want to see the gospel have free course. Um, they'll, they'll characterize it as Christian nationalism. And um, well, that'd be one of the things that they would, they would characterize as, as a Christian nationalist agenda. And the view, it's a growing view, amongst more and more elected officials. As, as America gets more and more pagan, this is gonna be more and more the case uh, that it's a, it's a terroristic threat. They'll view it, they'll view people who believe what you believe as a, as a threat to national security. Well, that's not good. <laughs> I mean, this won't be the first, I mean, if they actually, if the, if the wicked and, reason, and unreasonable men get their way, if they can enact their agenda, and um, you know, basically start a campaign uh, to shut down the preaching of the gospel in America, and that's happened in other nations, it's happened in the past, it's nothing new to the history of the church. Uh, this, is, this is no new thing. Anytime wicked men get in, it, you know, they get away with enacting something that's that draconian and that restrictive and you know, that 
you know, it results in that much persecution for the church, the church just thrives, you know. God blesses a persecuted people. Uh, so none of this should scare us, but it's nice to be able to preach the gospel to whoever you want to, whenever you want to, in whatever form, right? We wanna live a quiet and peaceable life, and, and so we'll talk about that here in just a second. But Paul's saying, pray for me, that we be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, and so let's, let's do that, let's pray. Let's ask the Lord for that, for one another, in all the forms that it would take, everything from the idiot that just jumps into uninvited into a gospel conversation to derail it, uh, to the person who's outright hostile uh, to the preaching of the gospel. Man, God. Help us to run under the radar. Like they don't even need to see us. We wanna, we wanna be able to just be able to go about our business. Make us blind, make us, make us invisible to these enemies. Um, why, we, wanna, we, wanna convert, we wanna see people converted. We wanna see them translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And so Lord, help us. Help us on these raiding expeditions that we go on. <laughs> We're going to steal people out of Satan's family and see them converted, born again into God's family. Is this making sense? Well, let's get in our groups, and this is what I want to invite you to do. We're going to have a more extended season of prayer, and I just want to invite you to keep your eyes open on Ephesians 6, Colossians 4, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. Let's get in our groups, and then let's just pray for one another. Let's pray for, you, for one another to be able to have those open doors, to be able to boldly say what needs to be said the way it needs to be said. We want the gospel to have free course, and so let's ask that for one another. Let's get in our groups, let's get to work. Father, all around us, everywhere we look, everywhere, I mean, where we live, where we work, uh, there's so many that are utterly lost. They don't know. They don't, they don't understand, in some cases, they don't even understand how exceeding serious the wages of sin are. I mean, they know that they're a sinner, but they don't understand. They don't know the magnitude, the offense of the sin. Lord, they many times will believe that you exist uh, in some form or another but they don't see you as the God of Scripture. They don't know what your word says. They don't know your views over their life. They don't understand your great love for them. Uh, they're blind. Uh, they're blind and they're on their way to hell. And they're gonna spend eternity separate from you. Lord, your word says you're not willing that any would perish. You're willing, your will is that all would be saved. And so Lord, we pray first and foremost for ourselves. Lord, help us to be faithful in praying for the lost. Help us to be faithful in lifting one another up for open doors. How, much, how many opportunities have been missed because no one asked? Lord, I pray for every member of Midtown Baptist Temple, that Lord, you'd open doors for each of us. Give us boldness and wisdom to preach the gospel in the power of your Holy Spirit, to do it in a way that will make it understood. We don't wanna be guilty of just barking in the wind and nobody listening. Um, 
Lord, we don't want to, we don't want to waste our lives. We want to have open doors that, that, that give us the opportunity to clearly communicate the terms of Scripture and the good news of the gospel. These lost people are going to waste. They're just going to go to hell forever. Lord, would you please give them to us? Again, we'll make this commitment to you very clearly uh, before you and before each other. We won't keep them for ourselves. We will train them and we will release them for your glory. Uh, Lord, give us those lost. Don't, don't Don't let them get away with going headlong into hell without at least tripping over us. Lord, I pray that each of us would have the open doors and the ability to be able to do the work of a gospel ministry in the lives of the lost. We want to preach the gospel. We want to pray for the lost. We want to preach the gospel in a winsome way. So we need the help of the Holy Spirit to meet people where they're at, but to not, to not let them get away with, with not being confronted with the terms of the gospel. Lord, we need you. Except you open those doors, how are we gonna win souls? Except you empower us, how are, how are people gonna be convicted over their sin and their need for Christ as Lord and Savior? Lord, you do all things well, and it pleases you to use the weak and the foolish, and so Lord, we are, of all people, most qualified. You can use us mightily. And we're trusting you for that, all in the name of Jesus, amen. Okay, 1 Timothy chapter two. 1 Timothy chapter two. Paul says in verse one that we're to make all kinds of prayers for all kinds of men, right? Supplications, and it's first of all. I exhort that first of all. You remember 1 Timothy is written to Timothy so that he would know how to lead the church, how to conduct the business of the church. So what's the first priority? Supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. So we need to intercede for one another. Uh, we need to pray for one another. We need to put requests before the Lord on behalf of one another. And we, like we saw in the first week, we need to give thanks for one another. And it's like be made for all men. Sometimes you just want to ignore some of the people that God's put in your life. Like the last thing you want to do is give thanks for them or intercede on their behalf. You just kind of wish you never had to be bothered with them. Well, if God's got them in your life, it's so you can pray for them. And and, um, maybe part of the reason they're a hot mess is because you haven't been praying for them. I don't know. Um, This is the first priority. Make all kinds of prayers for all kinds of men. Not just the people that, you know, it's really... The people that are near and dear to your heart, it's super easy to pray for them. You know, they're always on your mind, right? You are always on my mind. Okay, like, of course you're gonna talk to the Lord about them. But, you know, you're gonna, like, the, you, you know what I'm talking about. God puts a brother or sister on your heart and you know you ought to be praying for them, but you're kind of half mad at them, or you're, you're frustrated over them, and you, you, know, you don't even want to be bothered with them. Uh, you, need, you and I, we need to humble ourselves. We need to get the mind of Christ, and we need, to stay, we need to esteem our brothers and sisters better than us. We want to pray for civil authority, verse two. 
Why? Here it, here it is, there's that phrase again, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. Again, pay attention to what's going on in the world around us, what's going on in the news. Um, we'll, you know, we'll see what kind of provision the Lord makes for us. But you know that it could be a very short trip to people standing outside of this church with news, you know, I mean, with their news cameras and the whole nine yards protesting us because we're saying what the Bible says in Romans chapter one. That could happen. Um, you know, if the Lord tarries, it's probably inevitable that it will happen at some point. What will happen to you when that happens? Because this church is preaching what the Bible says about social relationships intimate relationships. I mean, at the end of the day, the last person I wanna offend is God. So I'm gonna just side with him. He said what he meant, he meant what he said when he gave us his word. I mean, as long as I'm breathing and I have an influence over what happens at Midtown Baptist Temple, we're not gonna cave on social relationships. Um, not popular, in, you know, in the Marxist world, that, that's not popular. They wanna deconstruct the nuclear family. Well, the only way that that's gonna happen is you gotta undo the Bible. The Bible can't say what it means and mean what it says. It's, you, you, you gotta understand what was going on at the time and, and they'll make it rape and you know, those kind of things. Okay, so. If the Lord tarries, events like that will inevitably unfold. What, what, will, what will happen to you? Will, the, will it be too hot in the kitchen? You know, will you flee and run and hide? The world isn't our enemy. Civil authority is not our enemy. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, okay? Um, but the principalities and powers, right, spiritual wickedness in high places will exert influence over civil authority and can make life very rough for Christians. Again, like we said before, history is full of examples of human governments making life miserable for the church. And so what we want, if the Lord tarries is coming, this has been my constant request before the Lord. Again, as God make us invisible, Lord, let us live that quiet and peaceable life. Why? So that we can conduct our business, right? We wanna, we wanna be able to preach the gospel to the lost. We wanna be able to make disciples of the saved. We wanna train people and equip them to go and do the same thing. And so, Lord, keep us under the radar. Keep, man, I just pray that, that in terms of the lost world, they'd be clueless about the raids that we're making on the kingdom of darkness, <laughs> bringing people into the light, right? Like, I, I'm praying that we'll stay spiritual ninjas. <laughs> and so, um, man, I, you know, Paul says pray, ask the Lord for a quiet and peaceable life. Uh, brothers and sisters, I, I think we ought to pay attention to the age that we live in. This ought to be a prayer that we're all coming back to regularly is that just mid, Midtown Baptist, who? Like, good enough. Um, let's, let's stay in ninja mode.
and keep winning souls, making disciples, and training people to go and do the same. Verse three, this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. Why, verse four, who will have all men to be saved? I don't know why our Calvinist brothers have a tough time with that. God's will is that all men would be saved and come to the, to the knowledge of the truth. Verse five says, there is one God, one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. I mean, I don't know. If I'm Jesus, I'm not, okay? But if I'm Jesus, I think I'd take a dim view on dying for a bunch of people that never talked about it. Like, that's kind of disappointing. You know, let's just say you were in a bind. Uh, You're on the mean streets of Kansas City and somebody's holding, I mean, they're holding you up, they're robbing you blind right there on the street. And uh, they've, got their, they've got their gun and they're acting like they're gonna shoot you. They're just gonna take what you have and kill you anyway. And then if I come along and uh, I, I throw myself on the attacker, right? Like I tackle the guy that's gonna shoot you, that's robbing you blind. And in the process, he puts two or three slugs in my body and I die. If you walk away, and don't tell someone about the sacrifice that I made for you, if God will let me, I'm coming to haunt your house. (laughs) I'm gonna make life miserable for you for the rest of your life. Super disappointing. Like if I give my life for you, kinda want you to talk about it nonstop all the time. That's my perspective. Okay, creator of the cosmos, creator of, of everything, dies for worms like humanity, I mean just dies for us, gives his life in our stead. And we don't talk about it? Oh my goodness. He gave himself a ransom to be testified in due time, whereunto I am ordained a preacher and an apostle. I speak the truth in Christ and lie not, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and verity. I'm all in, Paul says. We need to follow that example. And so verse eight. This is the capstone of this passage. I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Nobody's so far gone that God can't get through to them and open their eyes to the need, their desperate need of the gospel. Nobody's so far gone that they deserve, from our perspective, just cut them loose, send them to hell. I hate that guy, oh my goodness, no. What did, what did the text say? Verse four, God's will is what? Who will have all men to be saved. We need that wicked person to be born again, to become a new creature. We need their old life to pass away. Because God's will is that the lost would be saved and that he would use us to be a part of the chain and bringing them to Christ to communicate the gospel the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, we have to pray with holy hands, no no doubting, no wrath, all faith. Is this making sense? So we're out of time. Um, 
can I give you 1 Timothy chapter two, verses one through eight? Would you make that your homework? And when you're praying for the lost this week, could you just lift them up to the Lord? Right, just lift them up. And you're like, it's weird. Nobody's in the room with me. Why am I raising my hand? Well, the Bible has participation portions. There's passages where you get to participate. Um, you know, start in your closet with your hand up and then wave somebody down when you go out. Trust the Lord to give them the gospel. Amen. Eric, can you close us out in worship? And uh, we'll, be, we'll be dismissed.